The text for our gospel proclamation today comes from the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at the very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel Proclamation comes from the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 11, focusing on verses 1 through 12, and serves as the basis of our theme for the fifth Sunday of Easter. How can you hate me if you don't even know me? The Acts of the Apostles take us to a strange place today that may not make much sense. But the importance attached to this message must be understood in our hearing today. Writers in the New Testament used scrolls of material called papyrus to write down what the Holy Spirit inspired them to. Now, a scroll can be quite unwieldy to carry from synagogue to synagogue as the disciples and apostles did to share the Gospels with the Jews that had not heard of Jesus yet. So they had to be very judicious in what they included to keep it from becoming too big to carry the long distance. In general, the longest scrolls were about 35 feet long. And Luke selected with the greatest care what he was going to preserve and set down. And yet, he finds this incident of Peter and Cornelius of such paramount importance that he relates it in full twice. It may be confusing, but quite necessary in the eyes of St. Luke, and obviously the Holy Spirit himself. Now, the part that confused me right away was the Jewish Christian's rebuke of Peter for talking, eating, with, and just interacting with the Gentile Christians. Peter had to be thinking, how can you hate me if you don't even know me? Not to mention his response to them with this fantastic dream of unclean food and God commanding him to eat of it through the dream. This objection to who he was socializing with seemed to fall along weird racial lines that I did not have a category or compartment for. 
I'm not saying I've never seen racism in the church, the army, or school and work. Obviously, it exists, just like it did in the early days of the church and the apostles. But what I'm saying is, I couldn't find a dynamic equivalent of this methodical dividing being so effectively conquered in our culture today as it is in today's lesson. When I was in the army, we all got along. But parties and socializing usually fell along cultural and racial lines. Not because we hated each other, but because that was where we were most comfortable. After all, how can you hate me if you don't even know me? College too. I mean, I went to one of the most liberal colleges in Denver. And when you went to lunch in the main dining hall, again, groups of people were gathered along racial and cultural lines. Again, not because they hated each other. That kind of hatred was systematically rooted out in nearly every aspect of the Auraria campus life. But rather, because it was where everyone was more comfortable. Again, we all knew. How can you hate me if you don't even know me? We all know that the most racially divided hour in America is the worship hour on Sunday. Not because we hate each other racially. Again, culturally, this seems to be the most comfortable for most. So, no easy solutions there but a benign problem at worst. The real challenge is when there is real hatred. I mean, don't care if people we don't like die kind of hatred. This can be between politically charged extremists, major world religions like radical Muslims and Zionist Jews, Protestants and Catholics in Ireland in the 70s at each other's throats, the Hindus and the Muslims in northern India, even the Chinese communists and Uyghur Muslims, they're enslaving in western China, all have their mutual hatred for one another that seems as insurmountable as the hatred Peter faced today. But I ask, how can you hate me if you don't even know me? Granted, we did have Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King but they were murdered for their efforts. So I struggled with what our answer to this problem may be today. And I remembered Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis was a young black man that spent his first 10 years of life overseas as a son of diplomats for the ambassador's service. Before he came to America for the first time in 1968, he lived in 56 countries around the world. When Darrell came to America, his family settled in Belmont, Massachusetts, right next to Lexington, Massachusetts, where he was the only black student in his elementary school. This was where he experienced racism for the first time in his life. Everyone in his class loved him, except one little girl that referred to him with the N-word, a term he didn't understand until much later. But, beloved by all the others, he was asked to join the local Cub Scout pack and even had the privilege of carrying the American flag for their pack in the Paul Revere Parade to Lexington. 
That day is a huge festival that all the Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, Brownies, and Cub Scouts participated in from the various towns. And people lined the streets four and five deep all along the parade route. Unfortunately, about two-thirds of the way through the parade, little 10-year-old Daryl was suddenly hit with a bottle coming from a small group of kids and their parents shouting at him with the N-word again and again. I marched that exact parade mount myself as a 10-year-old Cub Scout too when my family lived in Lexington. And I can't even imagine anyone having the gall to do that to me. Daryl had to be thinking, how can you hate me if you don't even know me? The Cub Master and his den mom immediately ran up to him and shielded him for the barrage of debris. But when he got home that evening, his mom and dad asked him how he fell and got all the bruises on his face. And Daryl replied, I didn't fall. Some people threw rocks and bottles at me and they called me this funny end name. That was the first time his mother and father sat down with him and told him about racism. Later, in 1974, he was living in Rockville, Maryland, and attending Thomas Wooten High School, when the head of the Nazi party came to speak to the student body. He then proceeded to point at Daryl and at the only other black student in the school and told them they were going to be sent back to Africa. Then he told the Jews that they would be sent back to Israel, and whoever didn't leave would be killed in the coming race war. Now, Daryl was aware when he wondered, how can you hate me if you don't even know me? That was his second encounter with racism and began his passion to understand it and study it in college. Daryl attended Howard University to become a jazz piano player and read everything he could get hands on to understand racism in America, graduating in 1980. Shortly after he graduated, he got to be a part of a jazz band that toured and performed all over Maryland. And this was when he met and befriended, are you ready for this? A Klansman. The Klansman was at a white-only bar he was performing at in the early 80s. And Daryl met him when he came up and put his arm around him, complimented him on how he played as good as Jerry Lee Lewis, and wanted to know how he learned to play that way. Daryl replied, well, where do you think Jerry Lee learned to play? The Klansman replied, he invented it. Daryl told him, you know, I am actually a friend with him. And he told me personally that he learned how to play like that from Little Richard, Chuck Berry, and Fats Domino. Well, the Klansman didn't believe him, but invited him to his table and paid for his drink and over time, well, the Klansman invited him to have his other Klansman brothers to come and see Daryl play and hear him. This led to hundreds of Klansmen meeting and befriending Daryl, who used it as an opportunity to become friends with most of them. He even attended Klan rallies to reciprocate their attendance at his concerts and even provided transportation to the poorer ones who could not afford to attend. 
Daryl defended his actions by saying, I did not agree with racist sentiments at the rallies, but I believed in their freedom of speech and right to peaceably assemble according to the Constitution. As you can imagine, this has brought huge resentment amongst younger black activists, exactly like the anger Peter faced in our lesson today. But the result of Daryl's friendship and willingness to attend the rallies and keep in relationship with these people is this. Over 200 Klansmen, having surrendered their robes to him, totally repenting of their sinful racism because of the love and patience of one black man. The only thing that can explain this kind of love for someone that perceives you as their hated enemy is the love that Peter experienced from Christ himself when Peter was an enemy to Jesus and now wants to give that love from Jesus to his enemies too. It was this, as if Jesus said to Peter, how can you hate me if you don't even know me? And then Jesus made sure Peter truly knew him. He didn't punish him or judge him for denying himself. Rather, he came to Peter and affirmed Peter's love for himself, making sure Peter knew he loved him too. Today in our lesson, God showed Peter in his dream that this is not unclean food and the Gentiles are not unclean people. The Holy Spirit demonstrates to the Jewish believers God indeed desires to pour out his spirit on all flesh. So Peter urges all to be baptized without concern for ritual purity according to the old covenant. Peter knew this. Because he loved his Savior and knew he was loved by Jesus even when he was an enemy to Jesus. He showed that love to others who hated him too and was even hated by his own for doing so. And Peter didn't get any robes or free drinks or new friends. Rather, he got a church full of former enemies that wanted to love Jesus because Jesus loved them first. Scripture says, For while we were yet still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Jesus proves beyond a doubt we need never hate anyone, nor fear being hated by anyone, because the love of Christ conquers all divisions and makes us whole where unity was not possible. Because in Christ... It is not only possible, but is accomplished by his blood for our sake, even when we were enemies to him and hated him. Amen. Now may that peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.